0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW route void are prohibited by law. See terms
1: and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Lean to the Left, presenting no holds barred progressive commentary and newsmaker interviews. You never know who'll show up at Lean to the Left. I'm your host, Bob Gaddy. Today's guest will discuss the importance of a woman's right to choose what happens to her own body, something that Republican lawmakers in numerous states are trying to control. But before we get started, here's a reminder that you can follow us at podcast.leantotheleft.net and you can reach me at bob at leantotheleft.net and you can follow us on social media. Facebook at the Lean to the Left podcast, Twitter at the Real Not Fake News, and Instagram at Not Fake News. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please give a review on Apple Podcasts or any of the podcast links you'll find on our website, podcast.leantotheleft.net. And here's a shout out to Nashville blues musician and songwriter Scott Raminger for providing our music bed for the Lean to the Left podcast. You can catch up with Scott at scottravenger.com. Now for today's show, it's called A Warrior for Reproductive Rights. As we celebrate Women's History Month in March, we're presenting the fourth in a series of guests to mark that occasion. Women who may be unheralded and not all that famous, but who are making significant contributions to society. Today's guest is Kelsey Walker, and our topic is abortion. Since she was a teenager, Kelsey's been a warrior for reproductive rights and then had her own experience with abortion. From the trauma of that experience, she wrote a memoir. It's called Face Everything and Rise. And now she's founded a nonprofit from the green desk to coach and provide group therapy for women who've had abortions, lost pregnancies, or children. By doing this, she says she hopes to eliminate the painful silent scream that results from these losses. Kelsey, welcome to Lean to the Left. Thanks for sharing with us today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, if you can't, I'd like you to fill us in a little bit more about what you're up to. I just scratched the surface there.
2: Absolutely. So like you said, I am the author of Face Everything and Rise, uh, my memoir with abortion. Um, it is a incredibly emotional story about our daughter Hope, who at Our 17 weeks of our pregnancy found out she had osteogenesis imperfecta type two, which is the lethal version of brittle bone disease. So all of the bones in her body were broken. Her ribs were breaking and closing in on her heart and lungs. And my husband and I had to take the only option that we could to end her suffering and save my life, which was abortion. And so I had a DNE and and the book is about not only the procedure, but the trauma caused by the laws that are in place that are wrapped around the procedure and how I was able to find my footing again and rise from the situation. Um, from that book, you know, Women have kind of crawled out of the woodwork and have been like this. You know, something like this has happened to me. I've lost a child. I've had an abortion. No one was there for me. You know, can you help me? And so, from the green desk was born, and it is a coaching group therapy, a a blog, a weekly newsletter, a place to immerse people in uh, healing as a result of these losses. And, uh, also it, I include narrative meditation, I call it because I'm, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I, I know how to guide someone through, um, you know, learning to find the words to tell their own story, that they've experienced. So in, in addition to that, um, a piece of it is advocacy and talking about reproductive rights and um, you know, pushing forward to um, put a narrative and put a face um, on abortion and on these laws that are being created.
1: Yeah, OK. So we're in a, in a tough time right now with all these laws, and we'll get to that uh, in a minute. Now you said in your material that you sent me that uh, the the abortion that you uh, really were forced to undergo resulted in PTSD and some serious some other serious after effects, right? Can you explain that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't so much forced as it was the only option yeah, that I we understand. had yeah. to take. And we, yeah, um, and you know. I was lucky enough that I lived in a state of Kansas that I could take that option. Um, And we could talk more about women who aren't so lucky in in other states in a minute, like we were talking about with the laws, but um, during the procedure, you know, some of the laws that are wrapped around these clinics are, um, you know, During the procedure, I was asked six times if I wanted to go through with it. And that's not the provider's fault. That is every bit a law that they have to almost, you know, badger you out of the procedure. And, you know, that caused some trauma. There's also the fact that during the procedure, they use midazolam because they can't fully knock you out midazolam is supposed to make you sleepy, which it, it made me sleepy, but, um, it's also supposed to make you forget the procedure. And that part did not work on me. I remember everything that happened. Um, and what is more heart, heartbreaking and hard, um, was that during the last um, portion of the procedure, because, a uh, Dilation and evacuation takes an entire day. You know, it's not just a, you know, right now the, um, you know, the narrative surrounding it is the, just, it's like an in and out thing, but it's not, it's an all day procedure. And my husband couldn't be in the room with me um, to be there for me because they couldn't give him menazolam too. Um, And because, you know, again, these laws are are wrapped around what is going on. So I was, you know, it's, again, I, I am completely, um, you know, thankful for the providers that I did have, you know, there was a nurse that held my hand and kept eye contact with me the whole time. And really was my lifeline. You know, they gave me a card with Hope's footprints on it after, and gave me um, a blanket that they held her in. But really, you know, the again the the things that they had to do because the law says they have to do it caused trauma and caused harm to me, um, and so I I developed PTSD as a result of of the regulations that are in place right now. And in addition, you know, after the fact, what they don't tell you is that, um, you know, after the procedure, they give you four phone numbers um, for support. One is the suicide hotline. One is the abortion support hotline, which is a lot like the suicide hotline. One is the phone number for a psychiatrist to help, you know, get you medications on board because they, you know, I had pre-existing depression and they knew that the the loss of hope was going to, you know, continue to, you know, cause me depression and cause, you know, some, some side effects. And the last one is actually the after hours phone number for the clinic. Because if there's an emergency such as, you know, abdominal pain or, um, you know, additional bleeding or something, if something feels wrong, you can't go to the emergency room. You have to call the after hours clinic because the emergency room will not know how to treat you and will not understand the procedure that you just went through. So, other than those four phone numbers, if you, you know, they warned me about reaching out for additional support off of those four phone numbers that, you know, you're met with propaganda, you're met with pro-life organizations, but I was so desperate for for help after that. I lived in a small town of uh, rural Kansas at the time, about three hours away from Kansas City. And, you know, I I found what on, in the newspaper, I found what said it was a abortion support group. It was a pro-life organization that had me meet with a pastor and basically said, you know, yeah, you know, what happened to your daughter was, was terrible, but, you know, basically told me I was going to hell. (sighs) And, you know, in addition to that, I, you know, at the time I was working for a nonprofit organization. My husband was working for the school district. We couldn't afford a a traditional funeral for, for hope. And so we reached out, I reached out to seven different churches And because of my, you know, the nonprofit I work for, some of these pastors I considered my friends, and none of them would bless her ashes, none of them would hold funeral services for her, and that caused, you know, another layer of trauma.
1: Wow. Are you a religious person, typically? I mean...
2: Um, So, I am Jewish by faith, um, but at the time... You know, like I said, I was living in rural Kansas. There's really not a strong Jewish following in rural Kansas. So I was just, mm-hmm. you know, I was searching for God in that time. I was looking for, okay. you know, pastors and people of faith to pray with me over my daughter. And right. it was met with a resounding hard no. Wow.
1: That, that's just cruel. It it just really it's just cruel. It is. Uh, I don't understand. I don't. I just don't understand some aspects of organized religion as a result of that. Um. At any rate, coming out of all of this, you've become a strong advocate for reproductive rights, right?
2: Yes. Why? Why? Because there are other women, and you know, trans transgender folks and non-binary folks that are out there that need this healthcare that aren't getting it because of laws that are being put in place. Really. I, I kept my lid on for, you know, hope died on September 1st of 2017. And, you know, when Texas passed their heartbeat bill, it's like the lid came off. (laughs) Mm-hmm. There is a woman named Anna in Texas who was 18 weeks pregnant and her you know her baby passed away inside of her. And she needed the procedure that I had to be able to, you know, safely you know, know that you could separate her from her child. Sure. And because she was in the state of Texas because of this heartbeat bill, she was denied that health care and denied the procedure. So she, she had to hope that her body would miscarry. She had to hope that her body wouldn't raise an infection because she was literally carrying a passed away body in her body. She had to hope that her body passed it without an infection that could kill her. And this is going on right now. And That's why, you know, in my book and on my website, I talk about the silent scream. It's because we are screaming, but the society as a whole has told us in a very harsh, hushed voice that we just don't talk about it. And From the Green Dust talks about it.
1: They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. They want to pretend that it doesn't exist, right?
2: Politics and society have painted this picture around women who need abortions as you know loose women and the slut shaming rhetoric and all of this stuff and really it is you know if if they're those women are out there then you know that's that's their right but really the women that are out there needing this health care are women who already have families so when we had our abortion, I had a three year old son already. I had my husband. I had a family. We you know, we tried for six months to get pregnant with hope. And you know, to find out what had you know, what had transpired, what had happened to her, okay. just a random genetic mutation that I say is from hell. And you know, to have to have to make that decision, you know, the heartbeat bill cuts abortions off at Mm -hmm. six weeks. I didn't find out there was anything wrong until 17 weeks. And because, you know, even the law in Kansas, the cutoff is Uh 20 weeks right now. And we wanted to spend more, you know, more time with hope. But the thing is that time was not on our side and we had to have the abortion at 18 weeks or it would be considered illegal and we would start running into risking my life risking more pain and more broken bones to hope so you know these these laws just aren't aren't listening to the and aren't wrapped around the right narrative
1: osteogenesis imperfecta is a horrible disease at best um when i was a young journalist just starting out i one of the first interviews i ever did was with a young boy who um was suffering from that disease and the vision of that little boy in his wheelchair that has never left me. So I can imagine what, what, in in this case, I didn't know there was a fatal uh, version of osteogenesis.
2: Yeah. There's, there's seven different um, versions. The, the fatal version is just a random genetic mutation because no one survives. If they do make it out of the womb, no one survives past 30 days of life.
1: Yeah, and because
2: right. that's because their lungs, you know, these ribs crush it on their lungs, their lungs aren't able to develop, right. and they suffocate to death. Oh, my goodness.
1: Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of these bills. What did you think about the uh, Texas? law that uh, basically turns people into vigilantes.
2: I have to pause to collect the, the um, not politically correct, but the tactful word.
1: Why don't you just say what you think, Kelsey? You know, who cares about politically correct or tactfulness? This isn't a topic to be tactful (laughs) about. Go ahead. Say what you think.
2: For those out there that are Stepping outside and being the vigilantes to take women to destination states. These women need you. And the bill that passed, you know, with the heartbeat bill and the, you know, the additional things that have been attached to it. You know, you. I've been offended so deeply by what you're doing that a story that held inside of me for four years, came rushing out in six months. I wrote Face Everything and Rise in six months because the trauma, the feeling, the knowing of how much women need this healthcare came pouring out of me in six months because of my anger and frustration.
1: Okay. Why do you say more time should be spent advancing the procedure than debating it?
2: My, I say that because, you know, unfortunately, you know, hope had to be pulled from me in pieces. Okay. And I witnessed that. And if this was advanced more, if the procedure was advanced more, maybe there was a there would be a chance that I would have been able to hold her that I would as a parent have been wow. able to say goodbye. Um but wow. it's not there. And it's because we are fighting one another on morality. It's not a moral thing it's not an immoral thing for me to wanna say goodbye and want to hold her. But it is immoral to fight and debate this law to death. To prevent the advancement of the procedure.
1: Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about the green desk and what you hope to achieve. Tell us how, a little bit more about how that all began and what's involved now, and what you hope to accomplish.
2: Absolutely. So, from the green desk is again, it's a coaching, um, you know, it a coaching program as well as a group therapy program. To help women and others find a community, you know, like I said before, you you leave the clinic with these four phone numbers and you're told not to stray from the phone numbers, I want to be added to that list to give women a safe place to land. The services, you know, the coaching, the therapy, the blog posts, um, and then hopefully at the end of March, I'll be launching my own podcast. It's all it, that all those services are free. And I hope that you know what, people out there take advantage of them so that we can stop these silent screams surrounding abortion and child loss and pregnancy loss. So that way people can take themselves off mute and find the words to, you know, grow into their grief. And something else that will be coming out, um, you know, all these things take a little bit of time to put together. But then the next level um, that will be introduced to from the green desk is what I call narrative meditation. So helping people find the figure out how to unlock that piece of themselves onto paper and be you know even if they never share it even if they never publish it or blog post it or what have you be able to get their story and release it out into the universe so that way they're not just holding on to it um one of the things that um I I talk about um in a in a blog post is my truth tour because there's so much shame and stigma surrounding abortion. It took until my book was coming out to share with our families what had really happened to hope that we had to have an abortion as opposed to miscarrying. My mother and my father knew because they helped um, they helped pay for the the procedure so did the Kansas abortion fund without them you know, I, I, we wouldn't have been able to do it uh, because a a and e cost $2,400. And again, I worked mm-hmm. for a nonprofit. I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Same with, you know, traditional psychology. Just I couldn't afford it. So that's why from the green desk coaching and group therapy is free um, because I want people to be able to, take advantage of the services
1: now do you do all this yourself or do you have others who help you with the counseling and so on
2: so i'm doing a lot of it by myself the group therapy um with some of course fundraising dollars um i am hoping to hire a therapist to do group therapy but for now it's it's group um group coaching um per se and then we are hiring a therapist to do the group therapy formally right
1: okay now is this all done online or uh in person or what
2: right now it's online uh if there's anyone in the kansas city area that would like to you know uh meet up or something like that it starts with an online interview no matter what just to make sure that we're screening people who have you know who truly are have these stories that they need to get off their chest, as opposed to someone trying to, you know, someone from a pro-life organization trying to shame other, other people. Um, So, um, and then also what's going on with uh, from the green desk right now is we are doing a, a 50 States challenge um, where we are trying to get, copies of uh face everything and rise into the hands of our senators our governors our supreme court justices our president trying to put a put a narrative or switch that narrative that surrounds abortion right now and Mm i'm i'm not doing it to sell books i'm printing them at cost and sending them to directly to the politicians so um you know, in,
1: so you're trying to raise money to help with that. What's it yeah. cost to do that?
2: So it costs uh, thirty dollars per state to set to uh, print three copies of the book and send it to the politicians per state. So it's fifteen hundred dollars total, and with running a nonprofit, I just can't do it by myself. We're about twenty. Sure. We're about twenty percent of the way there, and you can see on sure. our website. Um, the States that have been sponsored so far. Um, but anyone out there that's willing to, you know, contribute anything, um, to help us get this story out, help raise awareness of how important abortion is as healthcare and also how important it is to think about the laws that they wrap around these clinics. Um, you know, if you have that in you, um, you know, if you can donate, then we sure would appreciate it.
1: And the website is what?
2: From the greendesk.com. And there's a banner right at the top that takes you to the uh, free friender website for the 50 States challenge.
1: Okay. Talk a little bit more about what is, what is in your book. I know you said it was a memoir and it talks about your experiences. But uh, fill us in a little bit more about that.
2: Absolutely. So it talks about the you know, process of finding out about, um, you know, that there was anything wrong at 17 weeks to having to go to the maternal fetal specialist to having to, you know, have the procedure and the steps during the procedure time. Um, you know, and then after that, you know, trying to, um, you know, one of the things that or one of the parts that I wrote first was the challenge that the funeral home had picking up her ashes. It it mm-hmm. took almost three days for them to pick her ashes up from the clinic. Right. They, they never explained to me why, but I can tell you that, you know, I had signed off on all the paperwork before the procedure even started and mm-hmm. thought that in, you know, called over the phone and gave the card information and, the you know, they took the payment out and everything, but it took three days for them to go pick up her body and as a parent thinking that you know her remains were were there for that long you know it was it was like being a caged lion trying to get to your your young and you know it talks about that it talks about you know not having that support system leading to an intense depression and being suicidal it talks about um you know i we actually found out we were pregnant with our daughter ember um in 2018 and that was because our birth control failed and you know we 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 kept ember but part of the problem is when you're pregnant you can't be on medications that manage ptsd and manage depression so, and what's hard is when you have an experience that is traumatic relating to your own body and not being feeling like you can't trust your own body, you are triggered every day, all the time. And it was hard. Um, and it talks about how, you know, having her, you know, I had to have a C section to have her and how that procedure was just one big trigger and so it talks about that
1: so so ember came after hope yes
2: ember came after hope
1: and so when you found out you were pregnant with ember you must have been terrified yes.
2: terror was that you know
1: yeah that you were going to have to go through the same thing again
2: exactly um you know it was oh, it was yeah. scary. We we held our breath and didn't tell anyone about Ember until we got a genetic scan back, which wasn't cheap, to find out that she didn't have the genetic anomaly that Hope had. You know, it was it was scary. Um, you know, to think that we could have You know, because even though it was a random genetic mutation that hope had, there's still more of a possibility because your body created that, you know, manufactured that abnormality that it could do it again. And, you know, it's hard, it's scarring and it's, it's scary. But luckily when, you know, we got the genetic scan back, we found out that it was clear.
1: Yeah. That must've been one of the best days of your life. Yes.
2: Yes. For sure. I mean, it, and then,
1: of, And then, of course, when Ember was born and everything was okay.
2: Well, unfortunately, the, the problem with C section babies is that they don't get what they call the final squeeze. And so, Ember didn't oh. feel like breathing when she came out, which oh. really <laughs> was scary to she my. She didn't
1: feel like it. Yeah. Huh?
2: <laughs> and <laughs> what we found out about Ember over the past few years is that ember will do what ember feels like (laughs) and um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was going to ask her i was going to ask you what she's like as a kid she She,
2: her name (laughs) precedes her she is a fireball uh so (laughs) (laughs) you know
1: um and you have you have one other child too yes
2: our son caden who's almost nine years old and um Mm -hmm. you know when we had caden he had bilateral club feet and we thought that was the hardest thing that could happen before we had hope Um, because bilateral club feet means, you know, casts from hip to toe for a couple weeks and then, you know, braces until he's four. We thought that that was the worst that could happen and boy, did we stand corrected.
1: Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You, you guys have, you guys have had some tough
2: times. Yeah. Like if there was a bad luck lotto, <laughs> my husband and I tend to hit it.
1: <laughs> oh, you must have a great husband though. to uh, help you all the way through with this, right? He's
2: he is a special guy okay. and you know, I, he supports me and my, you know, my, my fight that I started and I, it's, you know, it's really takes a special person to walk alongside some someone that, you know, has gone through this kind of fire. And especially, you know, after losing a child, most couples don't make it. Sure.
1: Yeah.
2: So we're making it That's good. As, so far. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what do you, what you said that you work for a nonprofit? You still work for a nonprofit?
2: Um, I actually work for a, um, a fundraising consulting firm now. Okay. Um. So it allows me to work from home. Um. They're very, um. You know, very embrace or very much so embrace the, um. You know, activism piece of me, which I really appreciate. Okay. And you know, while some employers would, uh, very much so, want you to keep your mouth shut and you know, would not want you to have projects outside of your job. Right. They very much so embrace the work that I'm doing. And I am so incredibly appreciative of them. And your husband
1: does what? Uh,
2: my husband is a, um, he is a groundskeeper for the local high school. Um, So okay. he makes sure that the football stadium is um, up to date and st- so is the wrestling stadium okay. and all of that good stuff. I see.
1: Okay, great.
2: All right. So, um, is there anything else uh, that
1: you would like to add, Kelsey, to what we've been talking about?
2: I think we've just about covered it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, any if anyone's out there that um, needs services from the for from the green desk, um, you know, reach out. If you're a clinic that's listening, that is like i i need this for my patients It's follow-up care please give give my email address give my website out to them you know if you're someone who's wondering you know what can what can i do to help you know being part of the 50 states challenge is is critically important as we head into voting time for the summer especially with these copycat bills that are going around
1: okay what's your email address
2: it's editor, e d i t o r, at from dot
1: Okay. And by the way, you know what we didn't explain where the name from the green desk came from.
2: Well, if you see behind me, yeah. I literally work from a green desk. Okay. <laughs> it's a it's a name that you know is literal that I work from a green desk, but it's also subtle enough. That it's not, you know, with SEOs, with people looking for, um, you know, pro-choice things to target. It's Uh not as prevalent. Uh I see. Very smart. (laughs) yes (laughs)
1: all right but now we're going to out you with this
2: (laughs) it's okay you know what um because the name of my
1: podcast uh, is not exactly hidden in terms of where (laughs) we come
2: from (laughs) that's that's okay if you know the best thing that can happen is for the word to get out that we're out there to support folks um, that have had abortions, lost children, or lost pregnancies. So if, if it's a best kept unsecret, then I'm going to be happy with that. Okay.
1: Thank you, Kelsey Walker. We're going to take a quick break here now, but I'll be back in a sec with some closing comments.
0: Hey, Mel, Brian here. Gotta work from home today, cause the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy? Hey, Mikey, if you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl. But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold, but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget, just as soon as, uh,
2: Mikey, popcorn bowl. Press one to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press two to keep working. Do not press two, just use Instacart, Brian.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you'll come back on a regular basis and check out our interviews with guests on topics that I hope you find interesting, entertaining, and enlightening. Our interview shows stream weekly on Mondays and depending on what's going on, also on Thursdays. In addition, we provide narrations of much of the commentary we publish most every day on the Lean to the Left blog, commentary by some excellent writers with perspectives on a whole range of topics, you can sign up as a member at leantotheleft.net, and of course, it's all free. Also, let your friends know about this podcast and take a minute to subscribe. Just go to podcast.leantotheleft.net to subscribe, check out the upcoming interview schedule, and listen to all of our episodes. You can also support this podcast by clicking on the Donate tab at the top of the page. Where you'll find links to buy me a cup of coffee, and also PayPal, and follow us on social media: Facebook at Lean to the Left Podcast, Twitter at The Real Not Fake News, and Instagram at Not Fake News. Remember, our goal is to be informative and entertaining as we comment on the latest developments in the news. You guessed it, with just a little lean to the left. Now, this is Bob Gaddy signing off for Lean to the Left. Thanks for sharing your time.